Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Recovery Executive Podcast. I am your host, Nick Jaworski, and owner of Circle Social Incorporated. Uh, today on the podcast, we are having Tony Faulkner. He is an excellent, excellent resource in terms of business development with decades of experience in the space. Um, but before we talk about today's topic, I just want to hear a word from our excellent sponsor. When seconds can make the difference between admitting a qualified client or losing them to a change of heart, a competitor, or worse, Verify TX gives your team the tools they need to help save a life. Available 24-7 from your smartphone, the web, and now Salesforce. Start by seeing the 15-minute demo today at VerifyTX.com and be sure to mention the Recovery Executive Podcast for a special offer. Thank you very much to Verify TX. They're an excellent resource if you need help with VOBs um, in an automated fashion to speed up the way that you talk to your potential patients on the phone. So Tony has, like I said, decades of experience in this field, and he and I are very aligned on what good business development looks like. Uh, a lot of business development done these days is not very effective, and it's not very effective for the reasons that we're going to talk about. So he's worked with both smaller centers, but also some of the largest centers in the country. So he knows what it's like to be boots on the ground, as well as managing a regional team and what you need to do to be strategic and effective um, from both a, a small and a larger standpoint. So very excited to share all of his amazing insights with you today. With that, let's listen to what he's got to say. Hey, Tony, real great having you on the show today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing? Hey, Nick. Uh, yeah, it's great to be on here. I, I will tell you, I've been following you, you know, that on uh, all the social media and you guys are, are doing great work. And uh, tell you a little bit about myself. Excuse me. Uh, I'm a person in long-term recovery, been in the field of substance abuse for 24 years, um, but uh, mostly on the business development side of the industry. That's sort of where I found my niche was uh, on the business development side. I've worked for a few of the major companies, uh, and you know, just just what I do is business development. I love training new reps. I love putting together teams, and and uh, you know, just growing on the business development side of the. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's why I wanted to have you on. You know, we've been talking back and forth for God months now, I guess. Um, but I love your approach. You seem to have a similar style to me, and a lot of the effort. Um, or focus I often put on the show about building relationships, building trust. And also I think being from the South, you know, that helps that style, right? <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. You know, it, it, yeah. You know, it's funny because a lot of times here in the South, when you call on somebody, you're probably in their office for 30 minutes talking about everything else, but you know, but business while you're there, you know, and, but to me, that's how you build relationships. You get to know each other. Yes. You get to know their families and you get to know them and they trust you. And, and, you know, there's people who made referrals to me for years who they don't even know where I work, you know, or what company I work for. They just know to call me. Yeah. So that's exactly what I want to get into, you know, and it's a polar opposite to what I have seen a lot of centers doing. You know, we do a lot of business development support on the marketing end in terms of prospecting and outreach. Um, and we have worked with centers where, we can't even get the referrals that we're bringing in connected with their BD teams because their BD team is scheduled to meet 
like 40 people a week or something ridiculous. Like all they are is on the road in meetings. Like they have no time for calls, no time for anything else. And there's no relationship there. It's just literally like right. there's a face and a body or they drop off a brochure and they're gone. And then they wonder why their BD teams don't produce. So why don't we start there? Can you kind of talk about your overall uh, approach and philosophy? And I know you've had success a lot in the past and how that's contributed to that success. Yeah, you know, and, and again, back to what I talked about, you know, I, I just try to get to know people. And try to get to know them and where they're at. You know, uh, business development reps are notorious for this. They walk in someone's office, they dump a bunch of information on them about their center and how great and wonderful their center is, you know, and, and then they leave. Well, don't, they don't realize this. There's probably been 10 other reps that's come in there and told them how great and wonderful their centers are, you know, but they don't get to know them, you know, like, you know, your children and, and, and just building that relationship. There's again, there's a lot of times that I've called on people, my good referral sources, and we talk about everything under the sun except business, <laughs> but they know what I, they know what I do and they know who I work for and they know what I do for a living. But we're talking about everything else about their trip to Disney world or, their upcoming, you know, whatever, their son's ball game or, the, you know, again, I live in the South and you know that in college football is the king in the South. So we're talking about, you know, Alabama and Tennessee and the football teams and just getting to know people and where they're at, you know. And I think that's just been one of my things because I, I tell reps all the time, you know, if you you go into a referral source's office, there's, there's 19, 20 other people knocking on their door. What separates you from those other 19 or 20? You know, what separates you is you get to know them and you earn their trust. Uh, and so that's just work for me, Nick, is how I've always done business. Again, I get referrals all the time from people and they just want me to help them and put them in treatment and they know I will. And I'll put them wherever is most appropriate for them. And that's a big part of the trust piece, right? Is they know that you're going to do the best by their, the patients or the people that they're referring, you know, you're not just yes. putting them in a center because you work there. It, exactly. Now I work for that center. So I guess I need to try to, you know, don't get me wrong. You know, I need to work to get them into the center that I work for, <clears throat> but for whatever reason, if they're not a good fit, then I'm not going to do that, you, you know, and I'll, I'll tell you, you know, quick story is I, I received a phone call from a, a, a family member that was referred to me by a private therapist. They had a young daughter. She'd been in two co-ed facilities, got kicked out of two co-ed facilities for obvious reasons. And so her parents called me and I said, well, first of all, we do not need to put her in a co-ed facility. Let's look at, you know, a, a all-female facility. And I found them one, and it fit. And so she's there, and from what I hear from her family, she's doing well. They're happy. So that's what I try to do, you know, get to know the people that are calling and, and, and go from there. Well, where the important part is and that comes in is, you know, obviously you're working for a particular center, and, you know, probably a lot of your – well, I'm sure a lot of your referrals are going to that center, Right. But when you right. show a uh, referent that you're willing to do the best for the patient regardless, they're much more willing to send you people because they know that they're sent, you're sending them to your center when you, it's best for their potential patient, right? 
Um, and that's right. a huge piece of trust, right? It just really establishes that fact for, for them. And they, they're confident sending people to you. They're going to send more people to you, right? You don't know. They might be sending referrals to three or four people, and then suddenly you're the only one because now they're the one you really trust, right? Yes, yes. You know, and again, and, I, and, I've, and I've shared this with reps over the years. I say, if you'll always do what is right by the client or the patient or whatever, you know, you refer to them by, you're never going to have a, any trouble with me, you know? Just do what is right by them. And we will, you know, the census will take care of itself. The referrals will take care of itself if you're doing the right thing by the client and by your referral source and by the families. You're doing the right thing. Everything else will take care of itself. Right. Yep. That's it. You know, what you're saying about building relationships and getting to know people it surprises me all the time how we just don't think about the opposite end of it. But, you know, imagine if you were sitting there and someone blew into your house, handed you a brochure for a new roof or a painting or whatever, yeah. and then walked out two seconds later. You know, like, what would you do with that? Nothing. So why why do we do it to other people? Like, we just don't reflect on it a lot of the time. We're thinking about, here's my task, and here's how many people have to meet, and here's how many people have to call, you know. It, and, and I had to call. And, <clears throat> you know, and I know a lot of the reps, you know, have to see so many people a day. And I, that just was never my forte. And it's never really how I've done business. I had some set appointments, but I didn't overstuff my day because I think the worst thing you can do is go into, you know, either a good referral source or you're trying to build a relationship with somebody. And the whole time I'm there, I'm looking at my watch because I've got to get out of here because I got to go to the next one. Right. You know, so if I'm I'm in there and, and a new referral source or one that I've had for years and I'm talking to them, and it's going good, and I'm going to stay as long as I can to build that relationship. You know, if they want to talk, I'm there. But I just think it's, you know, people checking their phone, what time it is, looking at their watch. I've got to go. I've got to be across town in 15 minutes. Just, you know, and I know that works for some people. It just didn't ever work for me. And it doesn't work for me here in the South. Absolutely. <laughs> because, right. Different cultures. Yeah, it's totally different culture, you know. And I think that's for a lot of the, you know, I think you and I talked about this, I think it's for a lot of the major corporate um, treatment centers and their business development reps that go wrong is because they don't realize each region of the country has a different way, a different culture and a different way of doing business. You know, if I tried to go to New York with this accent, the Southern accent, they like, we speed up, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, I've, I've only got 15 minutes. It's taking you 30 <laughs> minutes to tell me what you're here for, you know, right. uh, but, and I also think that they, you know, a lot of times if people come here and try to do business and there's nothing wrong with the way it's done in new york and uh, up in the northeast but if you come here people will say that that person's very rude yes so again i think as a company that's nationwide you have to look at your regions on how you do marketing and trust the people that you have in those areas to do marketing with that region yes yeah i it's um Something that people don't realize when they haven't necessarily maybe lived outside their own culture, even if that's inside the U.S., you know, as you know, I've, I've led businesses across the world and I've had to integrate into different cultures and speak different languages. 
And it comes down to that trust factor is like, how do you have a relationship with someone? Like when I'm having a negotiation in Turkish, right? It's the same thing. We have 30 minutes of chatting about family and finding how we're connected as widespread as that can be. We'll sit there and have tea and do that. And then we'll start a business conversation, right? And that's how it works there. Um, if you don't do it that way, they don't trust you. They don't know where you're coming from. They can't figure you out, you know, so they're not going to do business with you. Uh, it's the same thing, whether you're in New York or California or Turkey or the south of the U.S., there are particular social rules that have to be followed that helps you know that you're like me. I can understand where you're coming from, and I think you're going to do right by me because we understand each mm -hmm. other. Right. And, and, and that, whole that whole conversation is all about building it, you know, that trust. And that back to what we talked about is building that trust. Well, and something you said, you know, again, getting to know people, that allows you to understand how best to serve them. You know, when I think even for Circle Social, my own company, the reason that we're so good at what we do is because we understand this space because we've gotten to know so many people across it in different places, right? We know how the business operates from the bottom up. Same thing from a BD role. If I'm sitting there and having a conversation with someone and I find out that they have a very strong passion for supporting people with um, LGBT needs in a recovery space, well, suddenly I go, oh, well, you probably didn't know this, but our head clinician actually has a background in LGBT specific therapy, that's your in. And you would have never found that out and made that connection for them if you hadn't gotten to know them. You've got to know them and got to know what they believe in and what you, you know, or yes, I, I believe in that, you know. And, and one of the things that, that I teach new reps is <clears throat> I always take a, I always keep a pad and pen in your car because when you go in to meet someone, come back out and make notes on you know how did that go you know what should i what should i have said what should i you know what different you know make notes about each call but also if, if i'm going in to see you and you and i know you just went to disney world and you tell me you know hey i'm going to disney world in two weeks then the next time i come back i mean maybe it's a cheat sheet i don't know because i talked to so many people i can't remember it but i'm going to i'm going to remember and look back and say oh nick went to disney world nick how, how was your trip to Disney World? Right. You, you know, and it's it's not that I don't, because I talk to so many people, I sort of forget, but if I make myself a note and I put Nick at the top of it, then the next time I go by, I say, oh, yeah, Nick went to Disney World. You know, and it's just, maybe it's cheating that you have to write it down. <laughs> but again, <laughs> we talked we talk to so many people on a daily basis. If you're, if you're a good business development rep, your phone is ringing constantly you know and you're talking to so many different referral sources and so many different people i mean like i don't know a month or so ago i had three referrals in one day and it was hard because i talked to each family member and i talked to each person well after a while i was trying you know trying to keep the stories okay now oh, this right. one this, you know is this and this is and it's just that there's so much information coming at us so i'm, I'm just a firm believer in writing down and at least it helps me remember to go back to it well one of the th smart things you're talking about is systems right to build a scalable career business especially because you were a leader you know you weren't just doing standard business development you were leading teams and regions you have to have systems and maybe you can elaborate right. on that a little bit you know what are some other systems that you put in place that you felt helped you and your team 
you know, just the, the open communication. I've just always believed in, you know, uh, being able to talk to people. And, and again, some systems is making notes of who you saw, how it went. Um, I'm just trying to think, you know, and I think you and I talked about this before, it's building relationships. You know, one of the things that is so hard is I've always divided my my market or the market in the way I teach reps is divide your market into three categories. The first one is medical, which is hospitals, anything to do with medical, private therapists, and then you have your court systems, and then you have your, you know, your EAP, your business and industry, and so you, you divide your market into that. And so the hardest one has always been for me to get into is a business and industry, you know, into and, and a plant to do drug-free workplace training, to build that relationship with that HR person because they'll tell you, well, I'm busy, leave the stuff up front, I don't have time for it. So what I've always tried to do is if I know someone's come through one of my centers that I work for and they work at that plant, whether I have a release or not, because I'm never mentioning names for HIPAA, I'm going to go ask for that HR director, introduce myself, give them my card, and just say, I understand you have one of your employees in our center. If you need anything, call me. I never mention a name because I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that just, and I'm not doing a, a walking in selling them anything. I'm not trying to just, throw them a bunch of information i'm just saying look call me if i if you need anything and i'll leave but then i start building on that relationship over time you know over time you build it so hopefully what's going to happen is they're going to they're going to call you the next time someone fails a drug test or someone comes to them and says hey i have a problem or my husband has a problem well let me call tony you know right that's and, and, you know, so it's just little tricks that you learn over time like that. What are the advantages from your perspective of those three buckets? Like, why those three buckets and, and what do you do with them that, since they're separated? <clears throat> well, the, the, the advantage of those three buckets is I see a lot of people that just go market hospitals or they just go market private therapists or they just go market, you know, that out of what I talked about, the court systems and whatever from and, and again here in the south it's a little different because it's spread out but if i put all my eggs in uh, the hospital basket okay and i've got eight or nine hospitals that i'm working with then i put all my eggs in that basket well you know what it may be a week or two that nobody comes in that hospital that needs any help but i put all my eggs in that basket so if i can spread them out you know, and now I've got, I've built a relationship with the court systems and I've built a relationship with it and I can keep those three balls juggling. It's going to keep me a nice steady stream of referrals coming in in case one of them dips, I've got the other two, you know? Yeah. You're just talking about standard diversification. You know, I mean, something I talk about in the show all the time is don't put all your eggs in the AdWords basket or the SEO basket or the BD basket. And within those streams, you're diversifying, right? You know I mean? It's just, yes. just good business. Um, that a lot of people, unfortunately, have not done and, and feel the pain because of it. <laughs> uh, well, and, right. you know, and I tell reps, and I tell reps this out of time, Nick, I would rather for you to have 10 referral sources that will send you one a month than one that will send you 10 a month. Yeah. 
because what's going to happen is something's going to happen. That person may leave that hospital. They may leave that job. And, and now you, you don't have anything. They're gone. You know, but I see it over and over. I see reps doing it. Well, I've got this hospital that sends me 15 referrals a month, you know, and they live in that hospital and that's just good. But if something happens, those case managers or somebody in the ER leaves and they take, you know, then you don't have anything. That's exactly it. You know, I mean, it's the same reason you don't put all your, your money in a single stock, right? Because if that stock tanks, there goes your entire, you know, principal and your wealth. Um, whereas you diversify, you know, maybe I don't get as much of an upside, but at least I'm safe. I, I'm, you know, I've diversified my risk. I've hedged my bets and it's a slow, steady growth for the long term rather than like live or die. <laughs> right. And, and, and back to that long term, you know, we, we've talked about this earlier, you know, and I, I'll, if you want to chime in on it, that's fine. But, you know, I think you and I have talked about how here lately everybody is looking for short term. Yeah, they're, they're wanting to, you know, they're looking for like today and they're not looking like, yes, I know, you know, you got to have referrals and you got to have admits to stay in business, but you're not looking at the long game, you know. And, and again, we talked about it, just that you know, almost that addict behavior of just for today and instant gratification. I need five referrals, but I'm not, you know, today I need five referrals. Well, that's good and I understand that. But what are you doing for 90 days, 120 days, six months out? Are you building that? And they're, they're not. They're just not. Yeah, that's the real problem because that foundation is the hardest thing to build. And if you're not working towards it, you will never get ahead of the curve. You will always be in this one day at a time, need admissions, need referrals now because you haven't built anything up that's going to, provide you a sustainable stream of referrals and inquiries and admissions um, from right. those sources. And a lot of times I tell reps, you know, there's, again, we talked about this, but there's two games. There's a short game and the long game. The short game is, again, you know, and I'll just tell you from hospitals, from court systems, that's short game. I, I could pretty much walk into two or three hospitals next week or a court system and get some referrals, you know, and that's fine. The long game or the EAPs and the, the HR people and, uh, you know, the unions, and those are long game, taking time to develop. But you need that short game, but you also don't need to forget about the long game. It's going to carry you, again, three, six months down the road. So I want to go back to the overarching strategy a little bit. So you've got your buckets, you've got your medical, you've got your judicial, you got your business. But then you've also got a regional strategy for bigger firms. So you've worked with some of the bigger um, treatment centers across the country. Most listeners are, are not coming from there, right? They're coming from one um, one location operations. But so I was just talking to a potential client last week where they, and I get this all the time, right? They want to send BD reps up to the Northeast. You know, they're coming from Florida or Arizona or California or somewhere else. And like, we want to send a bunch of BD reps to the Northeast. And I'm like, well, that's not really a good idea these days. Uh, but they're like, well, you know, there's good insurance policies up there. And they're always chasing the insurance policy rather than building the business, right? Um, but anyway, can you talk about uh, a regional strategy and what, what's realistic and what's feasible? Yeah, and here's the thing, you know, uh, again, I've had reps all over the South. Most of my business have you know, always been done in the South. And I always tell them, you need to own the 100-mile radius of where you live. 
a hundred mile radius, you know, and you need to own that. And, and I'll tell you that when I was first starting and I was boots on the ground, I had, excuse me, I had nine counties. That's it. Nine counties. And that I, I marketed. Okay. And I was putting about 15 people a month in treatment. Okay. Now we had an adolescent program and an adult program. So it was a little different, but I was putting about 15 people a month in nine counties. But the, the reason why, Nick, is because everyone in those nine counties knew me. The courts, the judges knew me. Like if I got a call from a family member and somebody's in jail and so we could get them approved to go to treatment, I had to go talk to that judge. Well, that judge knew me. That judge knew me, and I could say, Judge, I have them a bed in treatment on Monday if you will release them. You know, and so it got to the point where and I just believe in owning where you're at within a 100-mile radius. There was hospitals that I would go by to see, and I didn't go through the emergency room, and I didn't go through the front. I would go for the ambulance come in, and they would see me at the door and buzz me in because they knew who I was. Right. That's exactly you know, it. they knew me. Same thing at courthouses. I, I would go to a courthouse, and they had the metal, you know, the uh, metal detectors and the security. Well, they, they knew me. They would just wave me on through, you, you know, because, again, and I think that's where we're at, back to your point. I think that's what happens. It's like, oh, uh, you know, I need uh, you got a rep covering multiple, multiple states, you know. Well, that's hard to develop relationships when I'm popping in. And I'm going to use Alabama. That's where I live. And when I pop into Alabama for two or three days, and the next day I'm in Tennessee, and then I'm in Arkansas, and I'm in Louisiana, you know what I'm saying? It's hard to develop relationships. So I'm just popping in every couple of days out of a month or so. And you're not familiar with the area per se. You don't have the roots or the relationships there. You know, I always make the analogy of MLM or multi-level marketing, right? You know, all these those pyramid schemes out there with people selling you toothpaste and whatnot. Um, you know, it works in the beginning and people get really excited because they sell it to their friends and their family, right? They're like, oh, well, right, right. I just made, I made, you know, whatever, $4,000 or something <laughs> this month. And then they don't make yeah, a yeah. dime for months after that because they've burned through all the people that already trust them. It always comes down to that trust piece. And there's a difference between a referral where you have strong trust and a cold audience, you know, like when you're doing a standard marketing campaign and, and people don't understand that from the BD perspective as well as the general marketing is these are very different approaches and different levels of trust that are already in place or not in tra place. And so sometimes you have to build them. You have to build them. And, you know, but I'm going to circle back to what we talked about, about, you know, they've almost got to, some centers almost have the added behavior of immediate gratification. You know, we need we need it today and all that. You know, I was having a conversation last week about a couple of people that I hired when I was with a, a company, and they had zero experience in this industry. They had something, but they didn't have any experience in this industry. And so I, I told them, I said, now look, I could, you know, you have the it factor, and that it factor can change it's, it, per person. I said, you know, I can teach you how to do this job, but I can't give you what you've got. And what they got is that it factor. And so what happens is you hire these folks, you know, within 30, 60, 90 days. Uh, with the matrix that we have today with a lot of centers, you know, 90-day hire to fire, those folks would be gone. They would not even be around. 
because their first 90 days, they were just learning, you know. But I stuck with them, Nick, and I watched them grow. And every month I would see them getting another couple more referrals, another couple more admits, you know. I would just, But I stuck with them because I, I knew that they had it. Well, I got a text last week from a guy who I gave him his very first job in this industry who, who, who texts me to say thank you and to say I've been leading my team for the last six months. Nice. But if we'd, have, if we'd have looked back, you know, these 90 days hired to fire, would have, would have let him go. There's two things I want to bring up with what you're talking about. One, I think it's the experience that you've had, right? Because you've been in the field for decades. And I do the same thing when I look at a marketing campaign, right? It might not be producing inquiries or admissions yet, but I can look at that and see if the snowball is building in the right direction or not. Because yes. of the experience yes. that I have and my team has, we go, we know that this will deliver in one to two months, right? And so it sounds like you're saying the same thing. And I see that, you know, in any profession, right? You know, a clinical a clinician can go in and a therapist can go and see, okay, well, this patient is not, it doesn't look like they're getting better, but I can tell that they are starting to move in the right direction, even if others can't see it who don't have the experience, right? Right, right. Uh, you know, hiring somebody, trusting your managers, and, and I see that a lot, or I've seen it a lot in this in this industry. Like, <clears throat> they hire a person. Like, I had a couple of managers that worked under me, and they would, you know, they would call and say, "Hey, you know, I I want to do this, or what do you think about this?" We'd have a conversation about it. But if you have somebody in a manager role, a management role, then you need to allow it. You put them there for a reason. You put them there for a reason. So you need to trust them because they're the ones that are there seeing the day-to-day stuff, you know. Uh, and I don't know if that makes any sense, but I just always like giving the manager the power to make that decision. It's so important. You, know? you have to trust your staff. I mean, honestly, and you have to let them fail sometimes too, right? Like making mistakes is part of learning and growth. Um, we hate to talk about that, but it's a reality. If I want a really good team, I, I need a team that has made mistakes in the past. Well, and, and I'll tell you this. I've had a few over the course of the years that I've had to let crash and burn and for they would become teachable. Sure. Yeah. Well, I say that with clients sometimes. <laughs> I say, well, you want to do it your way? I said, all right, you know, here, we'll spend five grand your way. Um, let's come back and talk about it in two weeks. Okay. Yeah. That money kind of got burned. Do you want to do it my way now? All right, let's do it. <laughs> I, you know, and I've, I've done that. And again, again, and I've shared it. Sometimes you just have to let people, and, and I see that again, you know, I'm in recovery and I see that in recovery and I see it in a lot of other things when people are not, you know, they have their own way of doing it and, and it may work, but then it's, You've seen it again over the course of time. You know, wisdom and knowledge is something you just don't wake up with one day. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's through the course. And how I know a lot of this stuff is because I made mistakes. You know, I made the mistakes early on, and I'm thinking I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> and I can, I and I can teach you how not to make those stupid mistakes that I made early on. But then again, if you're not listening, I just have to let you crash and burn. And then I'll say, okay, are you willing to try something different? Yeah, exactly. Well, to your point, you know, along these lines that you mentioned a little bit earlier, I'm on the board of Above and Beyond Recovery, which I think some people know. And I interviewed Brian Cressy um, on this show months ago. But he's on the board, right? Or I'm on the board with him. 
And uh, he's a billionaire, right? He has built his fortune in the healthcare space, um, running private equity firms. And so we're sitting in this board meeting and uh, there was an issue with a staff member at the nonprofit center that we're on the board for, and it had resulted in some pretty negative issues with some other staff and, and even a legal complaint. And what happened was, you know, they came to the board meeting and they explained what had happened. And Brian just goes, he goes, you know, he goes, I heard you guys because I trust you. I trust your judgment. I trust that you guys did things exactly as you could with the information that you had at the time. And so this is something to learn from and let's move on. We don't need to talk about it. Yeah. And that was it. You know, I'm like, well, there's a reason he's a billionaire, right? Because he knows how to lead a team. He knows how to put people he trusts in place. And he knows that mistakes can happen and how to let people learn from them. Yeah. And, and I want to touch on that, talking about leading a team, you know, and, and I have been blessed. And I'll say that I have been blessed to work under some fantastic leaders over my course of time. Okay. I, and I could, you know, name a few of them, and you, you, you know, to have taught me so much about this industry, but they were true leaders. And then I have worked under some, and I'm not going to tell you, you know, they, they were not real leaders. They were managers. Okay. And, and there's a difference in being, and I think there's a difference in being a manager and being a leader. You know, people yes, will absolutely. follow a manager for so long. They'll follow you uh, until they find another job. I'm being honest with you. They will find, you know, if you're just a manager and you're managing them and you're pointing out everything they do wrong and you're not, you know, whatever, they will follow you and they will, they will not really follow you, but they will do what you tell them to do until they find another job. That's right. And let's talk about that where you exactly you're talking about, you know, this 90 days hire to fire um, crap that people have been doing for way too long. And sometimes it's even less. I mean, I've seen centers doing it on a 30 day oh, yeah. basis. You oh, know, yeah, yeah. But what's the cost of that? The cost of that, and, and, and let me t cover a couple of things on this. That's about $20,000. That's about $20,000 every time they do that, okay? That's $20,000 that they, they just wasted. But the most important thing besides the money and, you know, besides the twenty grand, is what happens is with referral sources, um, they, they get in their mind, whether they want to admit it or not, they're thinking, What's wrong with this company? How come they can't keep employees? Right. You know, and, and if they're getting a new rep every, you know, three months, they start thinking, what's wrong with it? How come they can't keep employees? And they also, in their mind, start thinking, Nick, why should I build a, you know, a, a relationship with you? Because you'll be gone in three months and somebody else will be here. That's right. And that doesn't happen with just referral sources. It happens internally with other staff. Everyone, you know, like you'll be gone in three months, you know, and and so it sends a bad message. And, and I'll tell you what, I've, I've had a referral source tell me one time, they said, it was, we were talking about a company, they said, you know, if they treat their employees that way, I wonder how they treat their clients, their patients. Yeah, exactly. So that's where they're missing the boat is, again, just that it's 20 grand that you're, and, and I'll tell you one manager of one company I work for, he was forever, uh, he never couldn't make a whole lot of traction because he was always hitting the reset button with reps. He would get a rep and they would start doing well and then somebody would steal them from him. So he was always having to hit the reset button, always. 
you know, starting over, starting over. And you can't. I mean, a good rep is going to be about, I mean, 90 to, you know, 120, 50 days before they really start hitting their sweet spot. If you're just going to, you know. And, and so, but if you're always hitting that reset button, you're always starting over. That's every time it's $20,000. But the most important thing is the reputation for that company. Yes. Yeah. People don't, you can't quantify that really, but um, it's huge. I mean, we see it all the time. Yes. Yes. And, you know, and, and, and being a, a, a back to the leader, you know, if you're a good leader, people will follow you and it's really not about the money. Right. It's really not because people could come by and offer them more money, but it's like, no, I'm pretty happy where I'm at. I'll tell you, I mean, we we have a client where their BD reps were making 60000 a year, um, which is super low, right? I mean, BD reps in the space are easily making hundred grand, or they were, you know, it's changing now. Right, right. Um, but they stayed there. They didn't care. You know, they could have made double somewhere else, but they were committed to our client because of leadership and um, the way that everyone worked together and the value they were bringing clinically to patients, you know, they valued that above and beyond the, the salary. Uh, and that's what you want. You want people that want exactly. to be there. You don't want people that are there for the top dollar. And I think this is something that you can probably touch on, but how many times do I hear a center come and say, well, we're just going to steal some rep with a better book of business and pay them more to get that book of business. And this is just the worst. It's the most short-term strategy. Can you talk to it's that most a bit? short-term. And it- and again, I've shared this for many years. There's two types of people that work in this industry, especially on the business development side. Okay, there's missionaries and there's mercenaries. Okay, now if I'm a missionary, I believe in the mission. It's not really about the money. I'm happy with the company I'm with, you, you know, and, and the peace of mind and all that. That's a missionary. The mercenary is going after the highest bidder. And they'll leave for the next highest bidder, you know, two months later. The next highest bidder. And, and I'll, I'll tell you this. I am really not a fan of book of business. That term has been kicked around in our industry for a long time. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I know probably a four, five, six guys that I know have a strong book of business. and But they're always going to the highest bidder. You know, and if you're willing to do that, then that's up to you. But if somebody else comes along and offers them more money, they're going there, you know? Yeah, so it's a bad strategy. Yes, there's a better strategy. But again, when people say they have a book of business, and I've seen centers do this, they say, oh, he's got this great book of business. Well, they hire him, and then, you know, three, four months down the road, they're not getting any business. They say, well, what about this book of business you told us you had? I am not a fan of book of business. I'm just... I would rather take somebody and, and grow them from the ground up. I would say it's hugely problematic because what that person is doing is they're building personal reputations and personal brands, which will not benefit your organization or your treatment program, right? A exactly. good training team, a good BD team is building connections for your center, right? So that if that person leaves, you can transition someone else into that role because the relationship is with your program and how right. good it is, not with some personal um, personal relationship. So it's just a whole wrong approach of they're training their team wrong if that's what's happening. And and that's what it, and I know there's and you know this. I mean, we both know there's treatment centers who will who will go with that mercenary. You know, go with that person that has that big book of business because right now they need some admits and they're willing to pay whatever. You know. 
but again, that, that person, that mercenary has no loyalty to you or your company. Right. There, and, and I get that. And, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm, say this, I'm not opposed to that. At, at times they're not the right person to do that, but you have to realize this is only short term. Yeah. They're, they're going to be gone. So if, if you're willing to do that for short term gain while you build out, that's you know that's a risk and reward that you're going to have to look at yeah you know and you're talking about salaries and all these other expenses you know we see it on because again we do a lot of business development support through our own marketing tech stack and things Mm -hmm. like that and we just had an issue with a client where we were building solely for a particular bd rep that had been there for quite a while actually but they left and so we had three months of campaigns you know we spent over eight thousand dollars and that bd rep is gone just gone you know and so obviously we on our end we retain all the contact information and stuff that we build sure right but you can't just transfer it over to someone else right you know you can't just rebuild those relationships uh at the drop of a hat and so it's three months and eighteen thousand dollars that are kind of down the toilet because they weren't able to hold on to a bd rep you know and that's not always possible to keep everybody people move on for many different reasons but right, just in right. the context of this conversation, you know, if that's happening to you regularly or if that's just kind of the way that your business works, it's it's hugely costly. And so maybe you can talk a little bit about you keep saying that 20,000, you know, where are you pulling that number from? I mean, look at, OK, if you're doing 90, look at salaries by the time you do salaries, you know, say you're doing 90 days of salary, you put the salary in there, you're looking at any type of benefits. You know, most centers, if they hire you, they're going to do some type of, they're going to fly you somewhere and do some onboarding. So that's, a, you know, a week of onboarding and flying you there and put, you know, so it, 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 it comes out to about 20000 close to it, you know, every time they do that. I believe it because you got their salary that was kind of kind of a wash, right, because they're gone. And then you got the 90 to 120 days of the other person's salary that you now yeah. have to put in place to get them trained up um, and get them, you know, to a place where they can bring in referrals. So it's expensive. And, and again, back to that, what we talked about, this addict behavior. Uh, I mean, you, you know, our centers and our, our chief marketing officers and our vice president of business development, all these people that are making a decision we talked about, they've almost got this addict behavior of I just get through the day and, you know, one day at a time and not planning ahead. They're, they're just not planning, you know. They're not looking at – I had, a you know, a conversation with a, a gentleman about two or three weeks ago that someone gave him my name and number. He called me and works for a major company that we all know. <laughs> uh, or, you know, that's true. It's not, you know, it's a very common name. Okay. I mean, you know, it's one that we've all heard in the industry. And we're talking about opening a center here somewhere in the south at an area that I know very well. And they call me. So, you know, we're talking and I gave them my suggestions. So, you know, what I thought about that area, and, and I don't even work for them, but, you know, I think I'm honest, you know, and, and so I gave us, and, but within about, this just sort of blew me away, blew me away, but, but within the first, like, minute, two minutes of our conversation, um, he, this is what transpired. First of all, uh, he said, so not to waste my time or your time, what's, what salary would you need to come on board with us? But we just started talking. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if, if everything that, that, if we're basing everything on a salary 
and not like we get to know each other and if we feel like it's a good fit because I'm going to tell you that's the last thing. When I've interviewed reps, the salary is the very last thing we're going to talk about. I'm going to get to know you and figure out if you're going to be a good fit for the team, for the company, and then we will talk about this. But if we're basing a whole conversation off of salary on the front end, again, my question goes back to, if that's how you're talking to me, how is your reps and your call center talking to the people that call in? Right. It sends the wrong impression. You know, it says that they're just in it for you know, financial reasons, you know, quite conceivably. Uh, I mean, you know, it's like, uh, do you have insurance, Nick? Oh, I'm sorry. You don't. Here's Samson and Bye. Right. Quick. See you. Talk to you later. Right. I mean, and I, I was just like, we're, we're a minute into this conversation. Yeah. And, and that's, you bring that up. I, I don't know. It just blew me away. And, and again, I've heard many rooms over the years. And the last thing I want to talk about is salary because they may be, and I, I'll tell you because I've had this happen, they may be making more with a particular company, but they're not happy there. Yeah. And I can't match that, but I can get fairly close to it. And they're willing to walk away from that because they're not happy at this salary. Well, you mentioned interviewing these different reps, you know, and that it factor that you talked about. So what are some specific things? Is there background, experience, previous jobs? Like, what do you look for as that it factor for a BD rep? You know, it, it, it that changes. I like a personality. Uh, I mean, you know, just an outgoing personality. And, and I'll tell us this. I have never offered anyone a job over the phone that I haven't sat down and looked at eye to eye. And I've usually not offered them a job unless we've gone out and had a meal together, had lunch together or dinner. I want to see how you act out in public. So that may, you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you talk to the waiter? How do you talk to the waitress? And it's probably just going to be the two of us. If you can't carry on a conversation with me for 30 or 45 minutes or an hour that we're having dinner or lunch, then I'm thinking, how are you going to carry on that conversation with a referral source? You know, and, and again, I, it's, it's changed. You know, the one guy that I told you that texted me before, he, he had zero. Now, he's in recovery, but he has that in his back pocket. But that's, you know, I've seen folks in recovery make good reps, and I've seen folks in recovery make bad reps. So that's not really a benefit, you know? Yeah, I agree. Recovery is just one one piece of the puzzle. Too many people seem yes. to assume that recovery gives you automatic credentials for working in this space. Yeah. I disagree no, with that. No, not at all. But he, he is in recovery, but he came from the hospitality space, you know, and he just had a, a, a just a, a great personality. And I'm going to tell you the company that I worked for at the time, I was, we had an in-house recruiter. And so I sent his resume in and she called me and she said, Do you, are you concerned that he has no experience? And I said, no. <laughs> And she said, well, you know, whatever. I said, well, talk to him on the phone. So she called him. And she called me back about 30 minutes later. She said, I totally agree with you. Oh, that's great. Totally totally agree with you. You know? It comes down to experience, right? Like, this is what we were talking about before. But I used to run schools, right, for years. And I did it abroad. So we luckily had um, a lot of flexibility. I didn't necessarily have to hire a licensed teacher all the time. And I got really good at telling who would be good in a classroom. And there was multiple times that I would hire someone with no teaching background whatsoever and turn down someone with a master's degree in education 
because I had hired master's level teachers that were awful. <laughs> and I hired yes, yes. people that didn't have experience that were great. And I just learned what I needed to look for. And it wasn't a piece of paper or a particular right. background. It, exactly. And, and I'll tell you this, and I'm probably going to get some phone calls or some emails over this comment because I have some friends. <laughs> but I am not a fan. And I'll just tell you, uh, you know, a lot of times what companies want to do is they want to hire clinicians as their marketers, as their BD reps. You know, and, and, and again, that title changes on whatever company. You can be an outreach coordinator. You can be a marketer. You can be a business development rep. You, you know, a treatment advocate or a treatment consult, you know, whatever, but we all know what it is. I mean, you know, it's just a different title, but we all know what it is. It's to generate referrals and admissions. I mean, come on. <laughs> and so I, I'm, I'm very leery of hiring clinicians to do that job. Yeah, I agree. What, what do you think about this? Though? Like, I think it's very smart to bring your clinician along on certain important referral conversations, but yeah, I would not want to make clinicians they just don't, they're not fits for the role a lot of the time. Well, and, and, and I'll tell you that, that I know about four or five that are able to do it and do it well, but the majority just can't do it. Now, if I'm doing an in-service with a room full of clinicians, I'm not a clinician. I'm not going to do it. I tell them all the time, look, you're the main event. I'm just setting up the tent and I'm cleaning up after we're done, okay? And my job is to get people there and to get the people there, but I know my, my role, and my role is to pass out the literature, to get to know people, but I'm not a clinician, you know? And so I take it, like you said, I take the clinician along to do the presentation, but I'm not doing it. That provides credibility, it builds trust, right? Because you have your clinician with you, and if they, they see that they're very dedicated, they're very passionate, and they have a very clear knowledge, like that makes them very comfortable to refer to you, but you wouldn't want that person like going out and establishing those relationships because they're just probably not going to be good at it. It's not their skill set. No, no. And, and, you know, and I'll, I'll tell you a prime example was I had one that was working for me one time and she called me about this guy and she was like, you know, she was in a therapy session. She did a therapy session over the phone with the guy and she's like, you know, I just don't know if he's ready for treatment yet. And I said, of course he's not ready. He's shooting heroin. <laughs> right, right. Okay. I mean, that's not, you know, let's get him in and let's get him detox and let's get him, you know, where he needs to be. And then we can discuss all this other stuff. But see, her mind went, she just did a whole therapy session over the phone with this guy. Yeah. Right, right. Huh. Yeah. No. <laughs> he's, you know, as soon as you hug up. I see so many comparisons between the treatment world and teaching all the time. And teachers would do that constantly where they're like, well, this student's just not ready to learn. I'm like, well, that's the student that needs us the most. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. He, he, he's not ready. I mean, of course, you know, nobody really wakes up one day and says, Hey, I'm ready to go to treatment. <laughs> right, you know, right. yeah, I, don't, you know I don't hear those uh, conversations too much. No, no. And I tell, and I was telling this the other day, you know, uh, we we all end up going to treatment or we all do whatever. There's some inter there's some force, internal or external force that's pushing us. You know? That's pushing us. And it can be a court system, you know, for and I love working with folks in the court system. I sit on a drug court committee for probably seven or eight years here in Alabama and help start two or three drug courts. I love I love working with the court systems. And I love working with clients in courts because I can tell them now look 
your probation officer called me and said, you can either go to treatment or she's locking you back up. Now, which one do you want? <laughs> you know, right, right. I know which one I take, but so which one do you want? We'll call her back and tell her I'm going to treatment. Okay. That's what I thought <laughs> you'd say, you know? So, but I love working, but again, there's all, there, there's always a, a, a pull and a force to get people into treatment. It's either external or ex, you know, internal or external. Nobody just wakes up one day and, you know, wakes up and says, Hey, I think I go to treatment today. Yeah. You know, there's something pushing them. And, and again, I've always looked for the pain button or the motivation. And so, so you call me and you say, Hey, Tony, you know, my name's Nick. I, I want to go to treatment. And I, you know, one of the first things I'm going to ask you is Nick, why don't you call me today? And you said, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm using heroin. And I said, well, Nick, weren't you using heroin yesterday? Yeah. So why didn't you call me today, Nick? Well, my wife is about to leave me. Okay. I'm about to lose my job. Okay. You see what I'm saying? And then I identify that crisis or that, 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 that's pushing them. But then I can motivate that client into getting the help that they need. Yeah. You know, but I've got to figure out what, what's pushing them, what's right. driving them to make that call. So there's two things I want to definitely get into here. Um, one and something that, you know, I have consistently been talking about, if you follow me online is the overfocus of, um, business development, just being with other business development reps in the recovery space. All they do is, you know, go to these other continuums of care. So do you want to talk about that for a bit? Yes. And, and, and no, and I think that the new, uh, it's a new phrase to that. And I hear it a lot and probably in the last couple of years is marketers, marketing, marketers, <laughs> You know, and I've never been a big networking person. Far as, and I shouldn't say that, but far as networking with my peers, I'm just not. Now, I would go to a network, you know, because there's networking luncheons everywhere all the time. But when you go there, it's the same tree, it's the same people, there, you know, from other treatment centers that are there. And, you know, I may go once or twice a year just to see who's there or see any new faces or whatever. But I'm like, they're not, they're, I, I don't know. I, I just never felt like it was a benefit for me, you know, sitting at the table with other people trying to do the same job I'm doing. I just, I never saw the benefit of that. Well, I think people do it because they find it easy, right? Because I'm not, everyone knows exactly why they're there. They're expecting the same thing. They don't feel like they're intruding on anybody. You know, it's just very easy to network with other marketers. It's, it's much more difficult to be good at, integrating into your community right and you have to provide value maybe you can talk about that because that's something that's constantly lacking and you also have to you also have to be and, and i'm gonna use this in a way but you also have to be very careful with some of the people that are at that table oh, and yeah. i'm just being honest sure because they're trying to figure out where you're getting your business and who you're getting your referrals from where they can go get them right right I, i've seen that and, and i've seen Older reps or reps that's been in this industry a, a, a while, I've seen them set new reps up like that. I mean, I'm just telling you, I have. And to say, so what are you getting your, you know, or asking questions because they want to know is that, is that hospital or is that person, is that therapist making referrals to you? And then they're going to go, you know, and I see that, uh, you know, and, and I just, you know, there's a lot of times that you see a lot of reps. Nick, they're doing a lot of busy work, you know, just a lot of busy work. 
but there's nothing that can benefit from that. And I just tell them, you know, like you can stay busy all day long, but is, is that really going to pay off for you? You know, I can go to this at then, and I can go to this at then, and that at then. And I'm not saying don't go, because I go to some of those. But if that's my main focus, and I'm not out trying to build relationships, again, the term is business development. If I'm not out trying to develop some business, you know, and build relationships, and I'm just running all over town, spending my company's money, and not doing anything. Can you talk about building value? So, you know, we'll talk to business development teams all the time. And like, you have to go in with the suicide prevention training or alcohol in the workplace training. You know, you have to provide something to sure. give them. Um, you know, what do you recommend from that direction? Well, it, it, it all depends on the audience. You know, uh, with, a, with a healthcare, with nurses, with healthcare, you, you've got to offer a CEU. Right. You know, you've got to offer them a CEU. And I'm, I'm going to tell you a little trick that I learned and, um, anybody can use it. Uh, <clears throat> when I first started in this industry, it's like, hey, can you do a CEU? Well, I don't know about other places, but I live in Alabama, and the Board of Nursing in Alabama has a um, a packet that you have to fill out. It's probably as thick as the Bible, you know, and it all has to be filled out, and, and they'll send it back to you. If you miss one little line, it's just horrendous. So what I did, and again, I, I you know, so I'm not real smart. I just learned, you know. So I would find people that I could partner with, like a hospital or somewhere, because each every hospital has an education department, and it's their job to educate their nurses. And so they know what has to be done. So I would go to the education department, and I won't use your last name, but the lady's name is Linda, and I'd say, Linda, do you want to do CU event? Oh, I'd love on you know, our nurses need CU. So I said, I tell you, okay, this is what we do. I got the speaker that I can bring here, and this is the topic that they can cover, and we can get three CUs. Do you want to do that? Well, she said, yes. I said, okay, I'll provide the speaker and I'll provide the food if you'll get it approved through the CU. Sure, right. And, and let the hospital do this, <laughs> you know, let that lady who fills those packets out daily, she knows what they need. Let her do that, and all I got to do is show up with a, a presenter and some food. They think I'm the king. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a really easy way to do it that people don't realize. You know, you don't always have to be certified yourself. You can just pay to have someone come in, and it's almost easier sometimes. Exactly. And bring what we talked about earlier, bring that therapist that you're working with, you know, your clinical director in. Uh, and, you know, I, I, if with, with a center um, – that has a local presence, you know, like I'm just going to use Tennessee. Okay. So you're in Tennessee, you have a center in Tennessee, your clinical, and I'm just telling you the clinical director and the executive director of that center needs to be almost as known as you are, you know? So I tell them all the time, I say, look, I've got this thing coming up next month. I'm fixing to parade you around like a circus animal. Okay. Just block off that week. And we're fixing to go out because they want to know the director that's running that place. They, you know, yes, they do trust me, but they also want to know the clinician. They want to know the person's getting the help that they need. And so I just say block off next week and you're just riding with me. And, and you know, when you, when you can do that, but you know, if, if you have a center in Florida and you're marketing in the Northeast, it's a little difficult. You can do it, but it's a little difficult. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think centers don't realize that. But if you're marketing in your own backyard, um, if you have a treatment center in your own backyard, I mean, you'll you'll produce three to four times the amount of referrals than someone across the country. Um, it's all just localization. That's that's always been the case, but that's more prominent now. Yeah, and, and back to what I talked about, you know, just knowing your area and within owning your hundred mile radius. So again, there was nine counties when I was really boots on the ground. I had nine counties. Six in Alabama, three in the southern part of Tennessee. I had a center which is about 50 miles from, you know, where I live. So it was, it was easy to do that, but just owning your territory, just owning your 50-mile, 100-mile radius where everybody in that 100-mile, I like 100 miles because you can go north, south, east, and west, you know. But just for those, everybody in that that 100-mile radius, they know you. The hospitals know you. The, again, the court systems know you. Everybody know, you know, knows who you work for. They know what you do. So I, I just think that's invaluable. Right. So really important, I think, we need to cover before things get wrapped up here is the shift in trend that's happened with business development, right? So there was a huge push for a little bit, especially when AdWords died. Everyone started pushing out BD teams again. Then people pulled back on them. And then now um, people don't know what to do, really, is the reality, right? They're trying to do the same strategies they've done for 10 years and they don't work anymore. Um, but most BD teams are bringing in far fewer referrals than they mm -hmm. have in the past. You know, so what do you think about these trends? What's happening? Well, I, you know, I think part of the reason that there's so uh, – the, the referrals have gone down per – you know, again, and I told you, you know, 15 years ago I was probably putting 15 people a month. I would probably be lucky right now, and I'm just be honest with you, it's five or six or seven. The reason why is because 10 years ago there was 1,500 treatment centers across the United States, and there's, what, 15,000 now? Right. You know, so it's just the sheer number of reps that are out there and the sheer number of treatment centers is what's hurting. You know, uh, I think the number, the days of high numbers for business development reps are not going to be any more until we cycle through before we get to where we're at. You know, some of the treatment centers are not open anymore. Yeah. It's yeah. just too many, you know, again, here in the South, uh, 10 years ago, Nick, there was probably 10 prominent treatment centers. Here in the South, there was probably there was ten reps that worked for those centers. We all knew each other. We all respected each other. We all made referrals back and forth to each other. Well, in the last ten years, there's so many of them down here, and there's reps tripping over each other. They're fighting over, you know. It has just become a dog eat dog. I'm just, you know, you know that. And I think part of it was, and again, you know, I I started in this industry 24 years ago, and what they gave me when I started was a stack of business cards and a pager <laughs> and said, go get us referrals. Okay. I didn't have nice slick marketing materials. I didn't, we didn't know what the web, we didn't know anything about internet, web, we didn't cell phones. It was a stack of business cards and a pager and you had to go out and get referrals. So that's how I learned how to do true business development. That's how I learned. And so, but then the internet came along and, you know, and Google and everybody. So I think a lot of centers pulled back on business development and put all their eggs in the Google basket. And we see what's happening to that. And they're, they're hurting because they never developed a true solid business development team. And so now they're scrambling, trying to put together a 
business development plan. And it takes so long to start from scratch. I mean, with anything in marketing, but BD especially. Um, it does. You know, it, it, and it's a proven fact that you have, it, you know, it's around seven times before you have to call on someone around seven times before they actually make the first referral to you. Right. You, you know, they don't just, just because I showed up one day, and I, I tell all the time, I just showed up with some chocolates. One day you think you're going to send me a referral the next day. Right. right. But I also tell Rose, I always carry something, you know, if it's some pens or if it's some whatever. You've got to carry something. Again, what we talked about, CUs, you've got to offer people something, you know. Right. And and I had, a, you know, like one center I worked for, we had pads and pens. And <clears throat> so I would go to the ERs and sometimes I'd take them, you know, whatever, something to eat and and they just like, no pads and pens? And so <laughs> then I take them pads and pens. They say, you didn't bring us anything to eat? I said, can I not please, y'all? I'll bring you something to eat. You want pads and pens? You know, in a joking way, but they, you know, make them laugh. And I was like, I, I can't please y'all, can I? I you know, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I, and I think a part of that, Nick, as I tell you this, is I don't think reps, a good business development rep listens more than they talk. Yes, they listen more than they talk. And I always go in and I say, so let me ask you this, Nick. You say you're the, the case manager to ER. And I say, Nick, what's your what's your protocol? So if someone comes in with an alcohol and drug problem, I want to know your protocol so I can get into that protocol, you know, or how I can help you with that, you know. And, and I see reps this all the time. They show up at the ER, they drop off a dozen donuts, and they walk out the door. They never talk to anybody. Right. They just become the donut guy, <laughs> you know? And and I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring you something, but I'm going to interact with all of you. I'm going to get to know you. And so, I don't even, but anyway, they, well, I know you got to listen more than you talk. And, and I'll tell you what happened one time is I was walking out of an emergency room. They actually called me to come see this client they had in the ER. They said, hey, can you come talk to this client? He needs treatment. I was like, yeah, I'll come. So I went to the hospital. I sit there and talk to the client. And I think we ended up getting them into treatment. But as I was leaving, I overheard this nurse say, you know, again, I live in the South, and, you know, we all drink sweet tea here. So I overheard this nurse say, I would kill for a glass of sweet tea. So what do you think I did? I went to the store. I went to the store and bought gallons of sweet tea and took it back over there. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's just little things like you got to listen to what people say. And I mean, she did. She didn't. She just made that comment, and I overheard it. And I thought, I'm going to get her some sweet tea right now. Right. You know. And I went and got gallons of sweet tea and took it back over there. And it's just things like that. I remember you listen, you forever. But, <laughs> Yes, exactly, and and but you just gotta listen. And again, I, I see reps doing this all the time. They go into a referral source, and and they just throw all their information on them about how great, wonderful their center is, and what all they do. And they never ask them any questions, and they get up and they walk out because hey, I gotta be at my next appointment in fifteen minutes. So here's my brochure. Thank you. Bye. And that brochure and what they said is the same exact brochure and the same exact thing that was said by the other BD rep. You know, from the other exactly. Center. Exactly. And, 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 and I'll tell you this, and I know we probably need to wrap up, but I tell you is I think, and I see this, and I know you do too, where a, a rep will talk, 
talk bad about another sinner. Mm, yeah, right. You, you know, like, oh, you don't want you don't want to send nobody over there. I'm going to tell you what I heard not too long ago, and it wasn't even a sinner I worked for, but I, 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 you know, said that's not the case. But somebody told me, said, you don't want to send any reps over there uh, uh, because, you know, they're closing. Yeah. You know, they're, they're filing for bankruptcy. They're closing. Yeah. You know, I feel the same way. You know, I worked for Disney, right? And Disney was very adamant about that. something I think I learned there. Um, but, you know, I mean, obviously I've had Dan Gemp on this show. Um, and I always say very good things about our true competitors. You know, there are obviously some shady companies in the space. <laughs> you know, I have no problem bad-mouthing. Um, but the, the real competitors that are out there, you know, they're doing a great job. I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to bad mouth my competition because one, there's enough business for everybody. And two, everyone's trying to help people, especially in this space, right? We're just trying to help patients get into treatment and patients get into good treatment. That's our goal. So whoever can help people do that. Great. Well, yeah. And, and another thing is I don't allow people because I, I hear this a lot and I know you like, Oh, they want to bad mouth another treatment center, not even the, the reps, but I'm talking about the, the person in the community or a client that went through there six months ago, well, I don't want to go back over there because blah, 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 blah. Then I'm like, you know, it has nothing. To, and I tell them it really has, yeah, you know, some may be a little bit better than others, but, you know, there's thousands of people that go through that center that gets clean and sober every year. Yeah. So what's the real problem here? Right. You right. know? Yeah, I mean, not every business is perfect. Not everyone's a good fit for every business, right? Especially in the treatment world. I mean, some people just are not ready regardless, you know, so... Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, I mean, yes, this person may have some severe trauma that, that this particular program does not address. And I get that. But in general, look, you know, there's thousands of people get clean and sober going through there. So what's the real issue here? You know, it's not, you know, and, and uh, just not bashing. But I just believe in working with people, working with other centers, uh, you, you know, and I it's funny because I have. I have people call me all the time, Nick, that work for other centers, wanting suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean, it's just like, hey, I got this problem. What should I do? And I'm going to tell them the truth. Yeah. This is what I do. This is what happened. To, and, and again, I don't really give advice. I just tell people, hey, this is what happened to me. And this is that happened to me one time. And this is what I've done. Right. You know, or this is how I fixed it when it happened to me, you know. And, and the worst thing that you can do is a rep, and I, I tell them all the time, especially this one co uh, company I worked for, you know, it was it was huge, and, and we had a lot of beds. And, and and so I would tell the reps, I said, if we mess something up, be honest about it. Right. Just tell the referral source, look, we messed that up, okay? We did not get you that form. You know, whatever. Own it and tell them, but if you'll give me 15 minutes, I will make it right. 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 But I've seen reps argue with referral sources over that or just argue with them over something that the center screwed up. Oh, no, our center wouldn't do that. Well, yeah, they did. Yeah, they, <laughs> they did. did yeah. You know, and, and you're going to argue with a rep. I mean, you're going to argue with a referral source. You say, yes, they messed it up, <coughs> but I'll fix it. Right. That's so sad. I mean, everyone makes mistakes. And I think if um, yes. companies are open, honest and transparent, you know, that's people are willing to understand in most situations. Right. Right. And we're dealing with a population that's not the honest, most honest people at that point in their life when they're walking 
through the doors of a treatment center. Sure. I mean, they're just not, and, and I know that. And so you have to accept that fact that there may have right. told some stuff that really wasn't the truth, but you can right. go back and say, you know, oh, I've, I've had, or I've had a, pro-, and I'm just saying I had a probation officer call me one day and said, I mean, just irate and said, I can't believe y'all kicked this person out after 12 days for this, this, and this. And I said, I really don't know anything about that, but let me see what I can find. They left AMA, but they went back to their probation officer and told them they were kicked out. Sure. Right. Well, that's you, right. You, 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 yeah. You <laughs> know what you do. That's what you tell the probation officer. Exactly. You know, it, it, it was two men, two guys fighting, and I tried to break up the fight, and all I did was try to break up the fight, and they kicked me out too. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's an interesting no. space. I mean, we were just—I was just talking to um, a center where they had um, some people were like leaving false reviews on their website, like negative reviews, yeah. you know. And they figured it out. They tracked the trail and found that the people were like writing good reviews about particular centers and bad reviews about all the ones around them. And like four or five guys were doing it in a row with the same exact centers, you know. So that stuff happens. Well, and, and here's another thing. And I've had people bring that up. I, I looked at your reviews, and I say. And I, I know what you saw, because I look at them. I said, but what you don't realize is that we probably treat thousands and thousands of clients over the course of the year, and there's five bad reviews up there. That's very true, right? And that's, um, I think a lot of people start to understand that. Well, if people want to reach out and contact you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, they could, let me just give you my cell phone number because I'm like most good BD reps. My cell phone, wherever I go, is with me in my pocket, you know, and it rings all the time. But that's good. Uh, my my cell phone number, my personal cell phone number is two five six four one five two three three two. Perfect. All right. Well, Tony, I, wonderful having you on your show. I mean, great discussion, really good information for all the listeners out there. I uh, really enjoyed this. So I appreciate your time and anyone that wants to work with Tony, I highly recommend it. I mean, you know, we, I know, you know, I respect you a lot. So, well, I, it, it, you know, what you've done and, and with a uh, circle social and, and just on your personal and, and again, we're put all social medias together. And, and I mean, you're, you know, and I, I think you've seen that. What you're doing and the way you're doing it and the, the people you're having on your show is spot on. And it's the trend of where we're going to this with this industry. We can't do business like we, you know, it changed 10 years ago. It's changed five years ago and it's changing now. So we have to do bit. It's the same core business, the same core of doing business, but we have to do it a little different. That's exactly right. You know, I mean, too many people are holding on to the past. This is my biggest issue when we talk to potential clients or when I'm in centers, even some of our current clients, like they're holding on to a past that no longer exists, um, to practices that don't work anymore. And you have to innovate. You have to move beyond that. And when I'm like, we have to try this because I know that this works because it works with other clients or, you know, we've done it in the past and it's been successful and they want to try the same old thing, it, it's very problematic. People have to be willing to move on or, or they're going to sink. And we are seeing them sink. You know, we go back to all these companies, you know, I read an article the other day and it listed all these, you know, you know, uh, department stores and all these stores that were around 15, 20, 30 years ago that are no longer around because they didn't change with the business. Exactly. Right. They just kept doing business the same old way. And again, you got to have your core values and your core beliefs of how you do business, but you have to change. Right. 
All right. Well, Tony, again, really appreciate it. Appreciate the time. Appreciate the insights. As always, the Recovery Executive Podcast is brought to you by Circle Social Inc., experts in addiction treatment, strategic growth, and marketing. Uh, You can always listen to this podcast on TuneIn, iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere uh, podcasts are found. Download, stream it in your car, whatever you want. Appreciate you all tuning in and look forward to talking to you next time. All right. Thank you, Nick.